Dan will be back Wednesday night to uh, work with our Bible uh, study and uh, children and youth activities for the Yardville Wednesday. Uh, next Sunday, Pastor Dan will be back. Uh, and we appreciate uh, Brother Ray Owens filling in this morning. It's uh, like coming back home again for us. And uh, give everybody a chance to meet and see him. Just a little heads up coming up. March 10th is uh, daylight savings time beginning. So we're going to have to leave ahead, spring ahead for one hour. Probably we'll lose that hour again. Um, uh, we'll get more uh, welcome everybody here. Let's have a little dedication prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for your. <coughs> being with us, for your guiding being, for your being with your people here on earth, and providing your word and your comfort, your guidance, your leadership. Most of all, we thank you for the gift of your son, his sacrifice for us, save us from our sins. Father, we thank you.
good to see each of you in the house of the Lord, and it's good to be back home. I got to thinking about it, I couldn't believe it. I think when I came to serve or fill in, I thought it was going to be a short period of time. It was uh, August 2020. We were kind of in the middle of that pandemic. And this is 2024. Time flies when you're having fun with people you love. And I know there's a few new folks here, and uh, I'm Ray Owens, I'm regional pastor. I got the privilege to serve as interim pastor two or three times during that period. And until God uh, sent us uh, Pastor Dan, so it, it's good to be home. And also, I have the privilege to still stay on your prayer text, and boy, there's a lot of needs. And Today, especially Carolyn Hogan, I haven't had an update. Anybody got anything this morning? Did she get to go home? Definitely improving. Not sure she's made it home. I know she went from ICU to a room. 510, so she made it to a regular room from ICU. Uh, you know, the Hathaways, Barbara Powell, uh, Alton Cooper family, uh, Linda, who lost of her father. Uh, Dan Lynn, of course, will be flying back, I think, Tuesday. Um, Sandy Adams, Gina Sosa, uh, others, perhaps, that you want to mention. And I was also thinking this morning it might be good to anoint. So if someone would come on behalf of Carolyn or Barbara or some of these, uh, we might just anoint. I might pray down here in the front row uh, if you have a special need. I would appreciate that uh, as well. Also, I'm sorry. Remember our granddaughter, Allie? Stop talking. So, Allie.
and we're no respecter, no respecter of persons. And God loves us so much. Let's just go to the Father. Father, what a privilege it is to be in your house. Better is one day in your presence and in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Lord, we get to experience this morning joy and peace and to hear your word, to be able to cast our burdens to you. And Lord, there are people that live their whole life and never experience this. This is amazing. This is awesome. Oh, such a privilege. And God, we know that you love each and every one that's here. You love everyone on the prayer list and the ones that we added. Lord, you care about Allie and Carolyn and Barbara and Linda and all those who've lost loved ones to the families that were listed. Lord, you care about every person sitting in these pews. You care about those, Lord, that, that are burdens to us. When you lay that burden on our heart and our spirit, Lord, we join you in casting that, Lord, to you. And Jesus, you tell us by your stripes we are healed. So God, you it costs pain, but you love us. You want us healed. So, God, we cast these needs to you, these unspoken requests that can't be mentioned, and, Lord, these that we've already mentioned that we love dearly. We cast them to you. Thank you how you're touching, and by faith, we rejoice in the healing that's taking place. We rejoice in the praises this morning. We rejoice in what we're going to see. And, God, also be with us in our service. Lord, Right now, we give you permission to speak to us. Lord, we need encouragement. And, Lord, we may not know it, but we need to be challenged a little bit. All of us want to be where you want us to be, deep within our heart. Oh, God, may everything that is said, every song we sing, every word, draw us to the place where you want us to be. Heal every disease, every infection, everything, and Lord, heal our souls, rejuvenate our souls this morning, as we praise you, because you are worthy. Lord, we love you, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.
seems like to me Christmas was just the other day. I'm just telling you, it just seems like because of what I've been through, it just seems that way. Um, and again, it's hard to believe it's 2024, and then it's 2025, and then it's 2035, and then it's 2050. And then, can you imagine one day it's going to be 2099, and then 2100? I'll be with Jesus. <laughs> Some of you better hope you're with Jesus, okay? That's what we want to be. That's what we're going to be. If you look, uh, the first, these are some truths, and I'm going to tell you some truths and some lies. They're three basic ones, very simple, but they're powerful. The first one is, God actively loves us more than we can understand. That is a truth that we're going to talk about. Or you can even make it, God actively loves you or me more than we or you can understand. There's no doubt God loves you more than you can comprehend. And if you think, oh, I think I understand that, you don't. We're going we're to confirm that as well. What's the lie? What is a lie that is out there today? One is, God really isn't involved in my life. God isn't involved anymore. Those were back in the Bible days, or some people don't even believe that happened. God's really not involved in my day-to-day -day life. I decide what I'm going to do, when I want to do it. It's really all about me, you know, and what I want to do. That's a lie. Did you know that? That's a lie. We're going to prove it by the Word of God. Or another lie is I'm not worthy or worth God's love. I'm not worth God's love. That's a lie. And, and uh, mercy multiplied in the girl's home that you support and that was on the board. My daughter's been very much involved in that. We recently had a big event at Christ Church the last two days. And here's the thing. One of the biggest deals in all these young ladies' lives and where they get where they are are the lies that they believe. They're not worthy. They're not God's daughter. They're, they're trash. They're no good. And when you start believing that, your behavior is going to be terrible. There's nowhere. Uh, you're, not, you're one of those that's not meant to be saved. And there's some people that even teach that, that only the elect get to make it, you know, as if they're pre-chosen or predestined. And we don't believe that. We know that God's will is that no one should perish and everyone should come to knowledge. And so a lie is I'm not worth God's love. I have others say, I don't think I'm worth God's love. I think others are, you know. And, and I was born in a wonderful home that loved God. And some of you here are the same way. I know you. And thank you for being in church. What really bothers me is people in my family and maybe your family that are not in church. Like, how are they going to stand before God and say, I have these parents. Were they perfect? No. But I have these parents that raised me in church. You know, and we're not even in church anymore. You follow what I'm saying? Well, how can that be? They receive so much love. And here's what I'm saying. God loves us, and it's not an others thing like I was raised in church and you weren't, and all this makes it a difference. It should make a difference in us being more uh, in line, but my point is God loves us all and his desires all of us to have a relationship with him and have a church family that loves us. Do you agree with that? But there's a lie out there. And there's others that have another lie. I really can't experience God's love. Even if I know God loves me, I can't experience it. As y'all, many of you know, I've got a bunch of college degrees and so 
Chicago University and have a lot of friends that have doctors and postdocs and specialists and stuff. And sometimes you can get so educated that you kind of miss the simple truths and the big things of God. And, and, and they get to where, you know, okay, I got it and I'm going to live by knowledge and maybe some faith and that's wonderful. But I want to tell you, you can experience God's love. So I think that the, the idea I can't experience God's love is not true. Will you fully experience it? No. But you can experience it. Our scripture. We're going to put that up there. Love this scripture. Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. I think this is the NLT. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should. Look at this. How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. Okay, so there's the understanding of it. Wouldn't that be great? Now notice this, it doesn't stick with just cognitive knowledge and understanding, or even heart knowledge. It says, verse 19, may you experience, you might want to underline that in your, in your Bible, may you experience the love of God, the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This scripture is powerful. If you can experience the love of Christ personally in salvation and, and get to where you're walking with him and feeling it and all, you'll never fully get it, but boy, it is a fun place to be. It's a fun place to be. I don't know what it is in your life or whatever, but like maybe when you were when, you know, when you were coming up, there was a singer that when they sang, it just did something to you. And maybe you went to a concert. I've been to a lot of concerts, but maybe you have. And in that, you were just experiencing their music, and it was great. Maybe it was Elvis, and you actually moved a couple times, and you really hadn't moved much in your life. Thank goodness we don't go to Elvis concerts anymore without a bunch of ibuprofen and maybe Plexoreal and a few other things, right? My point is, it could be... You know, a Christian artist, it could be somebody, you know, can I experience? You can't live there, but you have a glimpse of it. But you can't live 24-7 Elvis. I guess the impersonators try to, but you, you can't, you know? And, and we can't maybe fully be on the mountaintop all along, but we can experience God, and we can feel it, and we can know it. That's what the Word of God said. It's very powerful. Paul makes it clear God loves you beyond anything you can understand. And that's if you don't feel it, it doesn't matter. It's a fact. But you can experience the love. And you can have a blessed and powerful life. I want to tell you that by faith. Notice our next scripture. This is, of course, my favorite, Psalms 139. Uh, I can't remember. Are we on live on the internet right now? Okay, good. My... I love Psalms 139 so much. I was at Bible College, uh, and I think it was Dick Reinhold spoke, and he used Psalms 139. I already knew about it, but he preached on it, and it transformed me. Uh, I, I was studying. I was going to go into medicine, be a doctor, actually there with Dr. Coffey, and maybe look at medical missionary. That's what I thought the direction was. And God began to work with me, and I... I don't know what it was, even in the hospital when I worked there, people would come up to me, and I, and I finally figured it out. God has printed on my forehead, I can help. 
In fact, it's so it's so neat that my email address has 139 in it. My name, 139. And that's how powerful it is. It really was a lot to what my ministry and, and, and all the years of, of being there at North Crossing. Notice this. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Okay, for some of us, we go, uh-oh. <laughs> I love it when somebody says, I can't tell God that. <laughs> I can't confess that. Like, God don't know. Like, well, are you kidding me? God knows everything. But now, don't get weird with it. Think about it. If he knows everything about you, that tells you how much he cares about you. He takes the time to care about you and your needs. Isn't that awesome? You know when I sit down, when I stand up, you know my thoughts when they're far away. And I personally theologically believe Satan can't read thoughts. I know God can. He's all-powerful. But I don't think Satan needs to or does. I think he can look at our behavior and know how to tempt us. I think he's limited. But he's powerful, but he's limited. God's not. You see me when I travel. So even if you're in Texas, far off, he sees you. You see me when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say before I even say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. Now that makes me feel good. Where can you go to get away from him being ahead of you or behind you? Where can you go? You can't even die and get away from him. The Bible says even if you go to the place of the dead, Sheol, Hades, God's there. God can go anywhere till the time there's separation after the judgment. We know that. But prior to that, no way. No way you can't get away from his love. He's going to love you. Um, recently, a guy contacted me. I barely knew him. He was in a church when my dad pastored there, Parkview. And dad baptized him when he was 13 or 14. And uh, he... he he got in touch with me and said, the hound dog of heaven just stayed on me my whole life, and at 70-something, I got saved. And I was wondering if he could find out when I got baptized. So, man, it put me in a bunch of research to find it and all that stuff and get him a baptism certificate. And I thought about the hound dog of heaven. <laughs> but it's not a bad hound dog, like, you know, bloodhound. You know, He's never, he never gave up on me. And he said, I went a long way away. And I went, it wasn't that he did that many bad things all alone. He just wasn't where God wanted him to be. And he never gave up on him. Never. Isn't that neat? I'm glad God doesn't give up on me. Remember the little kids song? You ever remember the little kids song they sing? Can I tonight? Is he still working on me? Thank you, baby. I appreciate you, baby. <laughs> You need to go wherever I preach. <laughs> Mike and Vicky, y'all are amazing. Y'all just go, go with it. He's making me what I ought to be. Man, that's beautiful. Whoa, you know what I'm going to say. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. In other words, that's saying God is blessing us individually. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. So again... Paul and David are saying the love that God has for us is almost too difficult to understand and definitely too difficult to fully understand.
for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well we know it. Turn to somebody by you and say, you're marvelous. You're marvelous. And if you really want to be good, you're complex. You're complex. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was being woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. God's involved day to day. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. Wow. Just think about that. How amazing that is. You think about creation in the of the universe and the Garden of Eden and the creation of you. God, the word we studied in theology school was ex nihilio, which means out of nothing. God created everything out of nothing. He didn't have parts. My grandson uh, is, uh, is a little genius boy. I love him dearly. I only got one. And uh, thank goodness he, he just turned 13, and I can't believe it. But he still has a tender heart and, you know, loves the Lord. But he's really good in engineering and math and reading, oh my gosh, so articulate, but he loves Legos. And he and Grandma will even watch Lego Master, and we can't find a Lego hard enough for him. You know, we've been to some tours when we're traveling, and you know, they build skyscrapers and stuff. And, but anyway, we finally found a Lego that says you must be 18 or older to work on it, and I wanted to make sure it wasn't something adult about it. You know what I mean? But no, it was a Star Wars battle cruiser, and it had thousands of pieces. And we give it to him. We, we went to the bank, and then we ordered it, <laughs> and then we gave it to him. I want you to know, in about two and a half hours, he put that thing together. I couldn't even, I don't have a manual dexterity to pick the parts up and you know, put it here. And he hardly read the instructions. Once in a while, he'd get on something and go, oh, and he goes, I mean, it's just me. So that's a gift. Here's the thing. Lego's pretty amazing. Science has some cool stuff out there that they're doing, but not one of them did it without something already being created. They've got all the parts. They've got a plan. They've got everything laid out. God created us without anything. No plan other than boom. This is what I want. In fact, the word says if he speaks, it is. That's pretty cool. And, you know, Legos is neat and all that creativity, that's a little portion of what we see. But even today when they say they clone people, and I don't really kind of like that idea. I'd like to have about four clones, and I can send them one to work, one here, one there. And I'd have one clone that's kind of a bad clone. I'd send it to the problems. You know, send that clone. You know, but my point is, they're not creating anything. Only God creates. And he creates because he loves. And it's amazing. And here's the thing. God desires a relationship with us. And the God, why did God come down every day? He created and he came down and he 
sin. Wednesday night we talked about that. He took on our sins. And when he did, God had to turn his face away because he took on your sins and my sins and all that upon him. And, and he did that because he loves us because we need a new covenant, a new relationship because he's constantly seeking us. You know another way that we know that's a new relationship? When the Israelites traveled in the wilderness, they had a tabernacle they set up. And then once they got to Israel, they had a tabernacle until King David began to build a temple. And then you all know Solomon finished it. Where was the Holy of Holies? It was behind the veil. And who got to go in there? A priest who won the lottery or lost the lottery, depending on the situation. They would have to tie what around his leg? Rope. A rope when he went in. Because if he wasn't prayed up and right, and he got in the presence of God, he wasn't good. But they had to be able to pull him out. <laughs> you know, when Jesus died, what happened to that veil? Four around two. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to me. You don't have to go to anybody. You don't even have to go to your mom. When you know the Holy Spirit convicts you of something, or there's something in your life you're not right, or just life's not going the right way, or maybe it's going all the right way, but something's not right in your life, you can go directly to God. I can fall on my knees and go to God. There's no veil anymore. Isn't that amazing? That's exciting. That's another thing that's so neat about how, and if you read the whole book of the Bible, it's constantly about having a personal relationship with you. That's what God wants. Every bit of it. Even the boundaries he puts in is about having a personal relationship. Okay, so let's pick on something real obvious. Drugs, alcoholism, all these things. You know, why is that all that stuff clearly stated and we understand it or inappropriate obsessions or addictions? Why? Because it's, we can't have a relationship with God or anybody else. It's all for our good. It's all for our good. And then to trump it all, he sends the Holy Spirit to give us power to have that feeling, that experience, that confirmation, that direction, that intimacy. God actively loves us more than we can understand. So I have on your outline, do you believe this truth? Commit today to believe this truth. And the thing that I hope you write there is God actively loves me. You can say he personally loves me. Through history he's proven he loves me. I don't feel it right now, but he loves me. That's the truth that I hope that you believe. And I hope we return to that as well. Number two. Blessed truth number two, God designed us to meet each other and to have fellowship. The lie is you're really better off alone. Others will let you down. That's true. Sometimes they will. God never does, but others will sometimes. But you're better off alone. And this is a big one. You don't need a church family. Now, granted, I'm a lifelong church person, and, and I love I love the family of God. And it's better than it's ever been in a lot of ways. I mean, there's a lot of struggles. But you just wait till you get a call. Just think about it. Many of us have experienced funerals. But you get a call to do a funeral for somebody, and there's this family, a pretty extended family, and frankly,
basically, there's no church family, there's no support, it's just them and two or three little friends they have and 15 people. And then you get somebody that's part of the family of God, and maybe they even, like we've done here recently, in the last few years, they've outlived everybody because they're 97 years old. But still, we have a church full. Because they're part of God's family, you know what I mean? And man, are you crazy to not have a church family that loves you? In other words, that's, that's a lie that we don't need each other. It's very important. Another lie is it's all about you. It's all about me. I don't need anybody else. I'm a material girl. And I need my needs met. Uh, and then everything I post, it's about me. You know, and all of that. And it's about me getting my needs met. And that's a lie. Those all relate to the fact God designed us to have fellowship and need one another. And this is real relevant today because more than ever, people stay home. Uh, you all know about church attendance. It's good, but it's, it's down typically since COVID. Uh, social media, my goodness, the active participation of even, I think a lot of our division in the country, politically, Republican, Democrat, and all of that, there are things that people post online they never say face-to-face -to, -face to somebody. If we had three or four over on this side and three or four on that side, and they literally disagreed, but we were in here talking, and they weren't, you know, trying to grandstand, and we mixed them up and we talked to one another, you know what, we'd find out we could kind of get along. And we sure wouldn't say things we post on Facebook and whatever. You know what I'm saying? We need the physical contact of one another. That's why I think COVID's of the devil. <laughs> I mean, just what it's done and how crazy it is, it's crazy. We need that. Satan loves division and isolation. God loves us to come together. In fact, the last sermon I preached, I think here was in September for Dan's installation, Pastor Dan's installation. You won't remember it, but I preached on God called us and you, in your part, to be ambassadors. We're, good, we're to be his ambassadors. So he needs us to be his hands, his feet, his mouth. There's Christian songs about that. That's what he needs. So God has given us, appointed us to do that. We need one another. And you say, well, how do you know that? First of all, look at the Ten Commandments. By the way, they're not the Ten Suggestions. The Ten Commandments. The first one is to put God first and worship Him with all your heart. Did you know that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Okay? Put Him first, worship Him, nothing else. So that's number one. Worship Him. You know what number four is? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Oh my goodness, it's a ten. I didn't know it was in the ten. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. And then God commanded three festivals that were required to go to. In other words, there were three parties you had to have a year. Now, in today's society, between Hallmark, I don't know, we're up to about 25 or 30. And your grandparents' day. Grandmother. 
said, I'm just going to hit a couple holes and then I'll run into church and I'll be able to preach better. Well, he hit, hit a very long shot at the hole in one. And Peter goes, Lord, why don't you let that happen? And I love what the Lord said. Who's he going to tell? <laughs> there is a God. <laughs> I know y'all all know that. Okay, some of you aren't smiling anymore. I'm going to go to the next one. Okay. So commit to believe. We are designed to need each other. Third one, bless the truth. God has a place and a purpose for you. God has a place and a purpose for you. You know what the lie is? I'm not really that important in his kingdom. Or here's, here's this. I'm not necessary in the kingdom. Not me. Others, here's another lie. Others are called, not me. Some of the others are special, not me. And then this is another word, word that. And that is, it'll be okay if I don't do it. Because there's always somebody else going to do it. Not necessarily so. We'll talk about that in a minute. Y'all remember that poster back in the, well, you won't remember 1917 because I won't either. <laughs> but there was a poster that came out to recruit, but he didn't start to recruit people. But it was this, Uncle Sam, and he had the hat, he wants you. Okay, that, that, that's kind of neat. Here's what I'm telling you. God really wants you. He wants you, Patrice. He wants you, Priscilla. You know? He wants you, Marl. You. He wants you, Brooke. You see what I mean? He wants you. And he has something for every person. Go back to Psalms 139. Every day was planned out. I'm creating a purpose for you. Even if you get off track and start going south, and I want you to go north, I'll have a way of getting you to woo and go north. I remember when we moved to Kansas, I was here in Louisiana Point. We moved to Kansas, I cried the whole way up there. Not just the first time, or last time I was looking back, I'm sure I cried. But I don't, that's the only time I remember first crying. I knew everybody here. I was somebody here. I loved it here. My papa was here. We went hunting together. We went fishing together. I loved it here. Kansas. Bless it. I mean, I just thought the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Best thing that ever happened to me. Because that's what God wanted me to do. And I met Dana. And I got to marry Dorothy. Kansas. So I'll live in the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> you know, we're just going down the road together. See, God's good. God has a way of getting us back on track. God has a plan for us to grow. And in 1 Corinthians 3 2, Paul talks about that. He said, Look, by now you ought to be eating hamburgers or meat, not just milk and cookies. You know, you kind of got to grow and to learn, to mature. And then we get to where we're no longer tossed to and fro because we have a belief system. Not that we ever get fulfilled in that belief. I'm still learning. We're still growing. But we're growing. The next scripture that we're going to have here is Ephesians 4, 12. I want you to think about this. This is for pastors and teachers and leaders. There. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work 
and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measured up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Here's where it says, then we're no longer to be immature like children. We won't be tossed here and fro by every wind of doctrine or new teaching. And we will not be influenced by people who try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. By the way, are you not getting that's what's going on right now? Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body. So this is letting us know what's going on even today in social media and everything. In the final days, people will call evil good and good evil. Is there anyone here that actually believes that's not happening now? You can burn down a community for a certain cause and it's okay. I'll, I'll pick on the other side. You can storm the Capitol and go crazy and it's okay. My point is, you know, we can come up with anything and it's okay. And by the way, you can do the same thing. If it's one-sided, politically correct, it's on the news. What if somebody's just on the, did you know what, praying across the street from a school and saying, Jesus, if they say it out loud, they might be arrested? Think about it. Call it evil good and good evil. I tell you what, we need to be alert. We need to be alert. So that's why I say, God has a place and a purpose for you. You and I need to become more and more like Christ, becoming. That's why the church is good, why the relationship with God is good. We become guided in, in, in all by the Holy Spirit. Nancy Alcorn, who actually came here, you know, back in the 80s and, and started the Mercy Ministries right here in West Monroe. The house is still there. Uh, a visionary and all that wrote something that my wife really likes and it says never forget someone is on the other side of your obedience now remember we think we're not that important we sometimes don't think what we I've told Lane he's a man does it really matter putting all this energy and time in that you know I need her you know we good shit lollipop get me back and going here you know well, we, we do we fight that sometimes we struggle and Nancy's saying, someone's on the other side of your obedience. Well, now this is obvious if you think about your children. If you're obedient and do right, your kids are blessed by that. No doubt about it. But sometimes it's less obvious. Much less obvious. Maybe it's your church family. You say, well, I'll be coming today and it's going to make a difference. I'll tell you as a preacher, you coming today makes a difference. 99% of you have smiled once today. And the other person's asleep. Okay? <laughs> or meditating. In other words, we encourage one another. Just if you just see somebody and say, God bless you. We're two or three together. You might be the third one. You know, we're all a part of this. It's so important. You know what? You might bless a coworker or even a stranger. You could, y'all heard me say this, you can be in the war zone at Walmart with 16 people in one checker. I mean, that's pretty much a war zone. 
And when you get your time, you can say, Lord, I didn't pray for patience, but give it to me. <laughs> and when you get up there, you can love on that chapter in Jesus. I'm talking very appropriately. Love on me. You'd be surprised how many times I've got to the chapter and everything in me wants to be brave, but the spirit within me saying, be Jesus right. You know? Let me flow through you. And I go up there and say, hey, when do you get off today? Oh, i got four more hours. Well, hey, bless you. Hey, I love your smile. Something, you know. Have a good, my goodness, they check you out and they'll bag you and probably walk you out to the car. You know what I'm saying? My goodness. God has a particular place and purpose for you. I want to tell a story and then I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. True story. Many of you know my mom and dad, and, and a lot of you know but dad and mom were ministers, and they founded First Church God in Monroe, and then we moved to Kansas. He pastored up there for a pretty long time. San Antonio, Baton Rouge. And while they were at Baton Rouge, uh, they combined a couple churches, and uh, dad was retiring. <coughs> and he had a burden to help start a church in Lafayette, Louisiana. At that time, it's a long time ago, that was pretty much Cajun country, and what's the predominant religion there? Catholic. And there were hardly any Protestant churches there. And let me say this, there are wonderful people who go to the Catholic church. If they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that's what it's all about. The name on the door is not important. And I have degrees in theology, and I love the Church of God theology, but I'm here to tell you, I'm not hitting any. But... A lot of those folks, it's a cultural thing, like it used to be up here maybe with Southern Baptists. When I'm a member of a church, and I got baptized as a kid, and my name's on the roll, but you're not even going to church. Well, there, that culture's a lot that way. They weren't going to church. I think it was 20% were going to church at that time. So dad and mom started a church there, and the state of Louisiana was involved in it, and it was a little house they had, and they'd go over on the weekends in the middle of the week, stay there at the Indiana, and I have to count with me. That's about all I knew about it. They started this church, and they worked and worked and worked, and you know, kind of built it up. Then after that, another pastor came, and then another, and then we closed. And Dad pretty much felt that it was a failure. And uh, there was one pastor, Paul Mott, who uh, uh, is a pastor. Actually, we'll see him this weekend in a retreat. Who would come out of that church? So that was good. But it really was a failure. Didn't really think he did very good. Fast forward to about five years ago. I'm in Wichita, Kansas at, uh, at the uh, community church up there in Wichita at an international convention of the Church of God. And it's summer, and I came in the, it's a large church, and it has a cafeteria-type area in there, and I came in there to get a coat or something in between a session. And I had my LSU shirt on because I'm trying to spread Jesus to Kansas. Sorry. Uh, if I had an Alabama one, I could, I could have an Alabama one on underneath it. Anyway, and they, by the way, they, Alabama needs our prayers up there. Anyway, uh, so I had LSU. Now, this is all important. So this guy's sitting over there, younger than me, and he said, well, they didn't do too good. LSU was in the World Series. College baseball world series. He said, No, nah, they were terrible last night. <laughs> it was. 
wife in Louisiana, and I went to LSU. I said, really? Where are you at now? He said, well, I'll pastor a church. And he told me the name of it in Tampa, Florida. And I went, wow, that's a big church. That's a, you know. So I said, well, tell me your story. And um, he said, by the way, what's your name? And I said, Ray Owens. He said, you know Carl Owens. I said, yeah, that's my dad. He said, uh, well, you know, they were my pastor. Didn't you pastor church in Lafayette? I said, yeah, they had a little house church, and they built the church up, a small church, yes. He said, sit down. <laughs> he said, my dad had a rough life, and he got out of jail for about 56 times. And he came home, and he said, I'm through beating you. I'm through there, and we're going to find a church. we got to change our life. He said, uh, where are we going to go? Start asking the neighbors. And one of the neighbors said, I don't know, but that house right down the street down there, their church, do you know anything about them? No? Get this. I know they mow their yard, it looks nice, and there's a lady always saying, waving and saying, being friendly, they seem like they're happy. And he goes, well, they like they have snakes and stuff, you know, what kind of weirdos are they you know, and they checked him out. Well, I could go on and on. But anyway, he tells me in detail how they came there. Dad got saved, Mom got saved, he got saved, his sister got saved. And when he went to LSU, he'd come back to church there and all. And then God called him to ministry, went to Edison University and somewhere else, got his degree. And now he's pastor of this mega church in Memphis. I, I, was, I was a failure. I didn't make a difference while I was in so now thousands of people every Sunday. In fact, he took a picture with us, and the next Sunday at a TV station, he had a picture of Dana and I and said, this is the kids for the man that led me. And I sent him a picture of mom and dad. He put it up on the screen and called it his testimony. Of course, you Here's what I'm saying. You never know, and you may never know, or you may find out later, but you'll find out one day, no good deed done in the name of the Lord Jesus goes in vain. So if the Lord calls me to say, hug Shirley, love on Shirley, and then I leave and think nothing about it. I don't know what this might do. Or maybe I help somebody. Maybe I encourage Connor. Or I do something, you know, little. Or maybe it's pretty involved and I do a lot. But if I do it in the Lord's name, I'm telling you, you never know, but if you do what the Lord tells you to do, do you think he's going to let it die? In fact, you can plant a little thing called a mustard seed in their life, and it can be amazing and powerful. So Satan is telling you you're not worthy. You don't make a difference when you have it in your school, Connor, and you do right that day. Who cares? It's not going to make a difference, and maybe there's other days you don't do good. I don't know. My point is, you do make a difference. You do matter. We're God's hands. We're God's feet. We make a difference. So at the end, I've got a prayer that I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray this prayer. But I have some questions. On your outline, I think, if you have a prayer. Okay. Get the outline out. You know, we just had Christmas. And by the way, I don't know if you can even remember what you got. But I have a question. What can I give Jesus?
say, oh, yes, I'll stop. That meant you started. <laughs> one of them kind of deals, you know. I'm going to be healthier. That's number one. You know, we're going to get in shape and all that. No, no, no. What would you give Jesus? I think the next question is, what does Jesus want? You think he wants those things? Those are good, but no, that's a... Here's the answer. Write it down. Jesus wants you. Remember? Jesus wants you. He wants the personal relationship with you. That's what Jesus wants. He don't want all these things. He wants you. And the phone went off to prove it. He's calling you. Right now. So I'm going to ask you, will you commit or recommit to give your life to him this morning? So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're just going to have a little time and dig in. So it's going to play. I just want you to bow your heads where you're at as we hear the music. And it's an opportunity for you to give God a gift. And as you close your heads bow your eyes up here in the sanctuary, I have one question. Would you personally give your life to Jesus? Would you personally reaffirm giving your life to Jesus? Would you say, God, I do believe you love me. I do believe you have a purpose for me. I know we need one another. Lord, I give you my life. Use me. Pray for just a few moments and I'll close in prayer.